0: Nouveau uh, te nouveau
1: zirki. Forget it. Enough talk. Let's get on with
0: it, huh? Hello and welcome back to Quaid in Full, the podcast with all the Fox to give about actor Dennis Quade and the only podcast to know that you're not sated till you're quaded. I am Jeb Lund, someone melting rocks for a mining operation on a planet with open magma vents every 20 feet, and joining me is your co-host, a non-native English speaker whose first word was shit. Please welcome to the planet's surface, Sarah D. Bunting. Shit. (laughs) I really did enjoy the collapsible shelter sequence of enemy mine. Like, uh, there is something strangely satisfying about watching somebody build something that you know will not work. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I've seen many seasons of Survivor and uh, I knew where that was going, but I still enjoyed the journey, that part of it anyway. So how have you been in the interim? How are you feeling?
0: Pretty good. Now, I wanted to ask something about about this movie that I, I don't want to take away from anything else. So if I am about to, you know, we can stop and do something else. But I was wondering what your childhood history with this was, because I saw the Siskel and Ebert at the movie's review of it. And thought like, hmm, compelling (laughs) when I was, you know, like seven. (laughs) And uh, Uh and then I wound up seeing it on VHS and I remember parts of it scaring me enough that I never went back. But I had this impression of it being like a much better movie than it wound up being because I really all I remembered was the middle.
1: I have no memories of this movie at all. This is one of those that's like, I must have seen this, like just by living in the world and being raised by people who had HBO, I must have consumed this, like all the fragments over time must have at some point cohered into seeing the entire thing. I think I had actually never seen any of it. And I just had this uh, miasmic impression of it as this movie that at the time I was not really interested in it. Then it sort of became a punchline. But then perhaps history had elevated the received wisdom about it so that it was a good movie. And then I watched it. And my received wisdom is somewhat different from that
0: I for whatever reason it the title and the few things I remembered for some reason got conflated in my mind to it's enemy mine is a a pun because it's like mine enemy right yeah. and the enemy is mine but they're also trapped in a mine like that's what I for some reason I was like well they're on like some other planet and they get trapped down there together and it's like finding humanity in this claustrophobia and I was like half right but what I missed was that you know it's 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 a Half of a good movie bracketed by like a quarter of a fucking terrible one. And then a third of another terrible one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess I could quibble with those fractions, but I, I mean, in the main, I agree.
0: Yeah. I'm not a math magician. I'm not a math, <laughs> math assist. I'm just doing the best I can. But yeah, it is. it is. It's also like kind of two different versions of the same character that don't really seem to meet. Uh, even though the whole half of the movie is taking that version to another. I don't know. Like, I, I feel I wound up having to watch this twice for reasons I don't want to go into. And I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about it. Do you want us to do the plot? I mean, oh, wait, we can't do that. We have to talk about Dennis Quaid and his podcast. The Denissance. Now, it's only been a week. I mean, it's not like summer break where we had a lot of time. You had a very narrow window. In which to listen to it did you do that i did not okay you, <laughs> you know you don't have to explain yourself to me the audience might feel
1: differently but you don't have to explain yourself to me <laughs> expert southern pass passion aggression well done um i just well he, here's the situation In an attempt to like trick myself into actually doing some house cleaning around here, I'm experimenting with ways in which it's like a game or a contest with myself. And in order to clear the board in the last week, I really did not have time to listen to that podcast because... I like to have things on while I'm cleaning that don't require my full attention and won't be calm me while I am, for example, laundering curtains. Mm -hmm. It's not a euphemism. I just wasn't able to make time for it while I was dusting. It's not called the dust Essence. That's where we are. Well, I listened to it. Really? How was that?
0: I, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about it um but i well as so i was walking the dog you Do you know, want to go back as, to talking about my curtains uh, you don't there's not enough time for the pun no i i made it i made it 27 seconds in <laughs> okay i in that time i heard dennis quaid sing uh, i assume that was him singing his own theme song it certainly sounded like the same voice we heard from tough enough but age progressed uh. almost 40 years but i did not hear him speak before I had to stop because I honestly had too many problems with it. It was like, you know, when you like do try to do one thing on your computer, it's like completely innocuous and it's like you have generated a fatal error uh-huh. just and it's just like, fuck off. And, and that's what happened. Like I got to about minute, sorry, second, like 21 or so. And I was like, oh, hell no. And then I hit second 27. And that's the part where I ripped my headphones out of it. So it would just stop playback. OK, I'm not ready. I can get into it later, but I mean, it's it's.
1: The singing alone had this effect. Okay. No,
0: it's, it's actually, it's the, the, the talking. Because there's somebody else who speaks. I don't know. It's kind of like if you were tuning into the KFC podcast and, and like it opened up and somebody was like, hello, I'm not Colonel Sanders. And in fact, I don't eat chicken. But, and then you're just like, no, fuck off. I'm going to need to do some podcast engineering. I'm going to need to cut some stuff and play it for you you know, I'm not trying to be Southern passive aggressive here. I think that's the only way you're going to hear it at this point is I'm kind of have to just drag you over to the speaker.
1: Okay. Can I ask one more question? Then we can get into a plot summary of Enemy Mine. Yes, but did you want it to be that question? Did you try to start? No. Did you you try to start at the beginning of the denissance or had you selected a particular guest slash topic to
0: confront? I didn't want to, you know, because obviously all shows figure out what they want to be. And the first episode is not, you know, the pilot is rarely indicative of how it's going to be on episode Mm. 24 or whatever, but I felt like only fair to go back to the beginning because, you know, Dennis Quaid is presenting himself. I listened to the trailer advertising it, but I wanted to go back to episode one. Okay. Um, And the trailer is like, well, coming soon because we we listened to this before we started the last season and it's like impresario, renaissance man, you know, like Dennis Quaid does it all. And so you've got a guy who's he's doing his own music. He's hosting things. He's an actor, but he's also, you know, like a bon vivant and you're going to get this like full court press of, of cultural signifiers and and tastes and and just media things right and and by 27 seconds like that idea has been impeached you're like Uh if wait hold on you're you're a musician and you produce something that sounded like okay well all right you you know what i've said too much (laughs) okay should we do the plot of enemy mine why not Dennis Quaid is Davidge, a moron of the late whatever century who has been given billions of dollars in starships. And it turns out that the Earth's galactic federation is at war with the DRAC. Why? Because the DRAC have declared squatters rights on worlds with valuable resources and its up to the U.S. landlord fleet to frag these fools for capitalism. Davidge immediately sabotages the cause of blood for oil and recklessly pursues the space fighter piloted by Jariba Lugasa Jr., hounding him toward planet Frying for until they, they both crash. From there, Davidge extremely counterproductively tries to fight Joriba on this hostile planet until the two realize the planet is a greater enemy than they. Over the course of three years, we witness Davidge and Jerry learn each other's languages, lineages, and faith while saving each other's lives and sanity. Eventually, Davidge can't shake the certainty that he's been hearing spacecraft at night and parts heartbreakingly from Jerry and goes on walkabout, only to discover the scavengers who are using drac slave labor to mine ore, something they do with the tacit toleration of Davidge's military. So he flees the scavengers and returns to Jerry, only to discover that the hermaphroditic Drac is pregnant. Jerry ultimately dies in childbirth, and Davidge must raise his son, Zamis. Uh, and if he ever escapes uh, Phraen four, he has to bring him to the Drac homeworld and recite his lineage back generations to help him join as an adult Drac. Anyway, we see these heartwarming moments of him raising him before Zamis rebels and goes to the forbidden area of the planet to see adults who look like him and see them enslaved by the scavengers, and he's immediately captured. Davage runs to his rescue and is shot and left for dead. Suddenly, his military finds him and rescues him. His recuperation appears to take mere hours, and his fleet is conveniently still parked right over the, pl- the planet, letting him steal a ship, blow a hole in the mothership, escape down to the planet, and almost immediately find himself completely fucked. His buddies, including Elizabeth Olivet, my angel, come to his rescue and the Drac slaves rise up and rebel. Zamas is safe and nothing is resolved, but who cares? We slam to a voiceover as we see Davage's spacecraft parked right next to one of the holiest sites on the Drac homeworld as Zamas' patrimony is listed and he takes his place as a full citizen and scion of his family. The end.
1: I mean, I really didn't like this. And as the movie wore on, especially after Jerry died, I really began to resent having to watch it because it's a great white savior opposites buddy movie that has the last scene of the first star Wars movie tacked onto the end kind of, but with no Chewbacca and Dennis Quaid is completely overmatched in every way. He's overmatched by the wigs. He's overmatched by the script There's like 17 shots of his character traipsing around in long shots so that you can see how much fucking money was spent shooting this bullshit. He's overmatched by returning Quaid in full supporting actor Louis Gossett Jr. Just everything about it is like... Uh, he, he's just, he just seems to be kind of floundering. Like, he's making an effort, but this is not his jam. This is not my jam. I found it really condescending, and there was a lot of goo. I, I no, I don't like it. <laughs> it is mine enemy, actually, this movie. Thumbs down. Uh, yeah, I mean... The ending
0: is so bad. The middle, I thought, was good. Louis Gossett Jr. and his Jerry is by far the best part of the movie. Absolutely. I do think that there is kind of like when you're wearing that much costume makeup, you get to do more, you get to do weepier and bigger emotional gestures. But the plot has earned it by that point. And it isn't too big. I mean, it might be a little mawkish toward the end, but I mean, they, they did the work to get to that point. And the only thing that really sabotages it, those those scenes, especially the, the I'm pregnant and then, you know, like recite my lineage back to me scenes, the thing that undermines it most is like Wolfgang Peterson cutting to Quaid as in like full Jesus and yeah. just gazing beatifically. And it's, I mean, it's almost like, you know, oh. he's... Quaid was like, what's my direction here? And Wolfgang just goes up to like one of those big ass tube amps with the, like the bouncing needles on it and just like grabs a knob marked Jesus, cranks it all the way to the right and rips it off and throws it at Quaid. Like, that's just kind of how I feel this happened here. It's like, wise men still seek him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You tweeted that earlier and it's (laughs) perfect. Um, (laughs) I actually have a clip where uh, I think what you're also saying is that Quaid might have had a better shot if he were directed differently. So the scene in which he's sort of trying to work out Drac reproductive anatomy is pretty typical of that, that it does feel like they were directed in two different ways. Um, Gossett and Quaid, and here is a clip. Oh my God. Oh my God, are you telling me you're pregnant? What, you're going to have a, a, a baby? Well, A little drag? <laughs> what? <laughs> what, how? Don't look at me! <laughs>
0: Jerry, Jerry, you can't do this to me!
1: You humans, birth
0: is a matter of choice. With us, Drax, it happens. When the time comes, it just happens.
1: Matters are not helped by the School Break Special music in the background, but this was just really like... (sighs) I don't know. It, it it's not that they're in two different scenes, but I just feel like um, maybe because Gossett had seventeen pounds of drag makeup on and had to find some way to play this, like explaining something that he takes for granted to the human, which is not written terribly well. He manages to do it, and then Quaid is just like overacting hysterically in every frame of this sequence and that seems to happen a lot that maybe peterson spent a little more time with Gossett, and then it was like well just you know react however because you're not the center of the scene and also we've um dipped an anemone in lint and affixed it to your head with a lace front good luck it's funny that
0: this is the movie that went so over budget it wound up costing 40 million dollars and the last one that we watched dreamscape was supposed to be a b movie because i remember i went into dreamscape not thinking well this is a b movie and this was in first year thanksgiving blockbuster style movie and this looks i mean in part because they they're trying for so many more effects but like this looks like it was done on a budget whereas dreamscape maybe because of like the august personages in it felt (laughs) way more professional Because you said like those exterior shots of like, look, you know, he's Lawrence of Arabia on Frying 4. Like, okay, that is some money and the makeup is some money. But the fact that like that scene actually begins with two of the first clips that I pulled were that one. And the one that immediately precedes it by about a minute where Davidge says, Jerry? Uh, Hey, Jerry, what's wrong? And like, look, this is not a visual medium. You can't really get this, but like this is just such a bad take because he's almost like, jerking his whole right arm forward as he says it, like like somebody in a kind of a doo-wop band wanting to shoot a thumbs up from like the hip. And it's just, it's odd. It doesn't seem like panicked or distressed. I don't know why these takes made it. And like if I were a director, I can think of like four or five different line reads would that would work better with that line alone. But just, you know, something to smooth these emotional transitions, because then you get that clip that you just played, and then I mean, it's so big and then we're played off by like, I was trying to find an analogy for this music too. Like this one, I had better luck than I did with dreamscape. I mean, like it sounds in that scene, like this is what the, the, the Charlie scenes would play like if there was a top gun TV show and Kelly McGillis didn't play Charlie and they couldn't get the rights to Berlin's take my breath away.
1: Like it's just sort of this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah there's also the contrast like some of these long shots and like the really long shots where you have like four different moons are really beautiful and then there are certain scenes where you're like well now here's an interesting movie like he's been um when he sort of like assumed into the ship which has just been sitting overhead the whole time apparently like you noted <laughs> the plot summary but they think he's dead. So he's like going through like space funeral processing. And yep. that part is really interesting. Like they have the computer that like gives you the religious affiliation. And then I have a clip for this. Oh, uh, you do. All right. <laughs> it's just the, the burial of one
0: person. I think it's it's wonderful. And let's hear it. From ashes to ashes. From dust to dust. Ensure I'm certain
1: jesus christ didn't they just fix that thing oh shit who's listening anyway
0: next Gavorki, george w agnostic no music so long next
1: no music like i would watch a whole i would watch a movie about that. Like, 33 short films about <laughs> ejecting uh, <laughs> agnostics into space sans music cue. Godspeed,
0: little doodle. Like, is it, is it a freebie if you're religious? Like, okay, if you put down Christian, you get, like,
1: two hymns, but, like, if you're agnostic, you gotta pay extra? I don't get it. Like, Well, yeah, and how much do they play? Right. I mean, I, I just had so many questions about that. Like, I actually literally sat up in my chair while watching this and was like oh like this is interesting i am not all that interested in like oh my god like basically a white dad raising a black child like i'm interested in that story generally but this version of it is like they're just trying to bury it under all these prosthetics and I have a I have a clip of this too that um actor playing Sammy's he actually played a young OJ Simpson in some TV movie like 25 years ago. He's a pretty active voice actor, he still works. He's not the issue. I try not to bag on child actors, but uh, this is some like weapons grade space treacle that they're mining in this scene. Was my parent like? Sammy's? Your parent was my friend. Oh, what's friend? (laughs) Uncle? (laughs) What is friend? And then, you know, he like comes to rescue Sammy's from the mine. And the whole story of how it. They had to basically put a mine in the script on like the fourth draft because they thought people wouldn't understand the title enemy mine. Otherwise, like then maybe just change the fucking title. And again, like there are just exposed magma vents on this planet. Like just
0: there are gates to hell open all around you. Put a ladle in one of those. Waste less energy.
1: Or, since you already set up a whole system of conveyor belts, a la the door factory in Monsters, Inc., why can't you just automate everything and leave the fucking Drax out of it? Right. Tough guys. But then, you know, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> Captain Jesus doesn't get to be the great white savior. And, I mean, ugh, I don't know. This isn't how we do it anymore.
0: I can't stress enough how bad he is at saving anybody in the, the final sequence can. when he does this do. all out, <laughs> this, this all out assault on the mine. Um, it's down, the mine is down, you know, in this bowl in the earth. So he has to descend it and then you go into it through, you know, the, the entrance is at the very back end of the bowl. So his idea of how to infiltrate it for stealthy approach is to sneak directly down the middle of the bowl in direct line of sight from the entrance against dark black soil while wearing an all-white jumpsuit Uh uh-huh thank you and like as i was watching it i just kept hearing this line from the mst3k movie of hey let's escape under cover of afternoon in the biggest car in the county (laughs) yeah you know, like immediately, you know, he's he's already been almost killed by Brian James, the legendary Brian James, once. And then he immediately runs back into him and it's he gets he gets two wake up, time to die moments in this movie. Like
1: one wasn't enough. <laughs> Brian James almost killed me once. once. Once? Also the like as an action
0: sequence, I expect better from somebody from Texas. Dennis Quaid is holding his laser weapon like somebody who's never seen a a pistol before or his revolver because like that's the other thing. They've got interstellar travel and then they're shooting everybody with like nine millimeters.
1: Yeah. My notes uh, read that he looked like Roger Clemens trying to bat during the World Series. (laughs) He's he's almost flinging his gun at the target like
0: he's just got it down in his lap and then something comes and he's like, no, it's like this pesky like just go away with the gun. Yeah, there's I don't expect there to be like Colonel Dale Dye or whatever, or Captain Dale Dye, like on the set for everything. But just get somebody who's like, you know, what you do is you. Okay, so the the bullet comes out of that. And that's the one that you point at the you know what I've said too much. Let's let's dial it back.
1: But, you know, that um, moment at the end of the fugitive, the big like ballroom confrontation where Harrison Ford can't get the name Provasic out, but they. They left it because it read properly like he's like this is an extremely unusual situation all around and drug names are always really hard to say and he's pissed off. So we're just going to leave it. So it tracks Dennis Quaid's physical blocking is like that throughout this movie, but it doesn't work. Yeah. I'm not sure that comparison worked either, but you know what? <laughs> You're the editor. We'll see, <laughs> listeners. I mean, I, you, you don't want to nitpick, but stuff like this. But, you know, if
0: you've got people who are named the scavengers and they seem to be running a slave labor operation with the toleration of defense appropriations for a galactic empire, like probably more than scavengers. Like they seem to have a lot of resources. I'm not really sure how they got that name. Like, yeah. And uh, just on the, the the military safety thing, like. Davidge is hunting a bug. He shoots it in the eye with an arrow and it has no effect. And he's like, well, what I should do is chase after that thing. That yeah. is impervious <laughs> to my only weapon. And then his idea of chasing after it is like, well, there's a boulder here and I can't see over it. Better fling my, bu- I just Fosberry flop over that motherfucker. And oh no, I landed in something that is definitely
1: not the Sarlacc pit. The copyright compliant Sarlacc pit. <laughs> F- funny how often he ends up in copyright compliance situations all right uh contemporary reviews pretty much i
0: janet maslin was uh not thrilled about it everybody's kind <laughs> of where we where we are the one that i i picked and um i read the whole review is it was one on the wikipedia like the critical response thing and i was like well don't pick that you know do your own research. And I read it and like, it's the best summary in it. Two and a half stars from Ebert. And he said, the movie made no compromises in its art direction, its special effects and its performances, and then compromised everything else in sight. And I don't think there's a better way of kind of like explaining how this movie had this survivor friendship story of cultures meeting at its heart. And then somebody just flips a switch
1: After he gets shot and left for dead, it's like, and now let's make it stupid. (laughs) I mean, I think I could have lived with the condescending uncle centric version of this hero's journey. If they had only focused on that or if they had been a little more montagey and not malicky, but just like a little more elliptical about the evolution of this um relationship that became or like they had let jerry live like so what is this like what is it going to be like for these two species to co-parent this track mm-hmm. or something because first of all the action sequences as noted eh And if you're not going to give us 33 short films about space funeral agnostics, then let's do this. But then let's actually sit and do this and think about it and not be an after school special about certain things. And maybe figure out that if they built a shelter and found themselves some food, they could contrive a way for Dennis Quaid to have a haircut and just stop with the wigs and... But this is not the kind of thing that is focused on by executives, I think.
0: Yeah. For something that obviously had a little doctoring done to it, I think a lot of people were asleep at the switch. I mean, Mm. after Jerry becomes pregnant and he's worried about what happens and you know why he's making Davidge memorize his entire patrimony. I mean, you guess what's coming. But in this moment you have them kind of turn to each other and uh, Jerry says like, so who are your folks? <laughs> and you're like, you've been here for three years. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, You know, some of these conversations probably could have been had already. I, yeah. like we don't, we don't get to this salient moment uh, except by this really weird contrivance that you would think two people had nothing else to do. They'd have gone over favorite color, how you lost your virginity, all this stuff long yeah. ago. And I would think Davidge would have a much better idea of his uh, his friend's peculiar reproductive anatomy, and and what makes all that tougher to deal with is like it's all over it like a, an hour and forty, and I don't need every movie to be two hours and twenty minutes long, but for you you unpacked a lot of ideas and then you slam them shut by just putting this Star Wars knockoff on, yes. and then after that going like well you know what the voiceover will take care of it,
1: yeah, and his voiceover is so bad i've i've clips for that but we should get into it in the quaid Qua quaid section i guess the
0: only other thing i had was just like i would have been take out all the scavengers like we already know that like this kid is in danger and he's in danger if they meet their opposites at any point right so yeah. you don't need to do okay there's an awful mine. you could just have him stealing a fighter and trying to get trying to get samus to the Samus to the drac homeworld And then having to evade his own people and becoming refugees. And then how do you get to, you know, this like the whole thing of like the ship parked there at the end is just like imagine somebody parking like a Stuka bomber right next to Westminster Abbey. It's like, I'm here for the coronation, you know, like that. No, that's not going to work. And and so they, they just have him like he just flies there and gets to land and like, here's your kid back. Like that would ever happen, so why not have a better story of like you let Lou Gossett live, you let you know, and then how are these people getting there?
1: How do they? Well, and what happens after? What happens yeah. after the like recitative? Does he just like put a whole bunch of black and white cookies in his purse for later and peace out? Yeah, how are Does they gonna he talk live with again? them now? Like, I think he has to, eh? Well, that, that's the other thing that's not really resolved. So, we get this, um.
0: You know, the voiceover comes in.
1: And when, in the fullness of time, Zamis brought its own child before the Holy Council, the name of Willis Davidge was added to the line of Jeriba.
0: It just kind of comes in. It's like, well, don't ask where all the slave labor went. Don't ask if it was freed. Like, because this was already a completely tolerated policy by Davage's own military. So I'm pretty sure all these guys who are just, you know, chucking rocks are not... Like, here's your amnesty, go home. (laughs) You don't find out whether he was prosecuted for stealing a military vessel, blasting a hole in the wall of another military vessel, and then going on to commit multiple murders. Like, none of this is a sanctioned operation. He's just suddenly, like, on the homeworld of his homeworld's enemy in the High Temple. It's like seeing George Bush at, like, the Kaaba in Mecca, going, like, glad you're all here. I got some paintings, you know?
1: Yeah. And not to mention that the adult the adult drag slaves who are like oh it is you the uncle of whom we've heard so much like i think they just are like dennis dennis and then those two peace out and they go back to work like they basically saved both their butts but they don't get to leave
0: right yeah it's like basically being a california incarcerated california firefighter
1: yeah that's it's exactly what it's like like maybe the movie could be on someone's side besides its own yeah just an idea
0: Yeah, it reminded me, I I was watching one of the new seasons of MST3K because they did a whole bunch of um, Doug McClure movies, like Doug McClure doing um, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, right? Like he did a bunch of these 70s and Peter Cushing was in one, Call back to last week. Anyway, uh, like Edgar (laughs) Rice Burroughs, he did a whole bunch of these movies and there's like one scene where he goes in, he's got to get like a weapon to fight the bad guys and he runs in and they're all these slaves and he's like, yoink and then just takes off and you're like our intrepid hero ladies and gentlemen
1: (laughs) yeah i mean how many other ways can we say that it's a bad mess not too many so should we rate it sure i'm gonna go ahead and give it a four i want to say like it evens out at
0: every point where like there's a thing i like and there's a thing that i don't like and they're you know they they kind of cancel each other out but there's just too much i don't like but that middle bit and lou gossett and how he he portrayed Jerry like I, that is such a good middle bit. It makes me wish there was a, two completely different movies bracketing it than the ones we got. But that's enough to go pretty far for me.
1: He manages even under all of that uh, nonsense on his face to cut some pretty sweet side eyes at Dennis Quaid. You'll see those in our visual aids, which you'll see on our Twitter account. That's Quaid in full pod. It's not enough. Three from me.
0: Yeah, fair enough. The quayosity, I think, is also going to be low. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the last time we did this, I was really thrown for a loop by your take. So I'm interested to hear how you did this one, too.
1: Let's hear a little from the opening voiceover, shall we? (laughs) Mr. Quaid, your Novocaine. By late in the 21st century, the nations of the Earth were finally at peace, working together to explore and colonize the distant reaches of space. Unfortunately, we weren't alone out there. A race of non-human aliens called the Drax were claiming squatter's rights to some of the richest star systems in the galaxy. Well, they weren't going to get it without a fight. They also aren't going to get it without the Seven Iron Nigel, not indicated at this distance. Here's the backswing. (laughs) Were you in a library? Is this the Masters? the fuck i mean at least there was some emotion in that section which is more than you can say for a lot of the rest of the voiceover which is also like what a obvious crutch that sometimes is
0: i mean i just applaud this movie for opening up with the globe has been united humanity stands as space's fiercest landlord like how how can you make me sympathize with you less like they they claim squatter's rights, huh? To the galaxy that you just also claimed that on? Like, who gives you the fucking right? And then we find out later, you know, Jerry and, uh, and Davidge come to blows. Like, they're freaking out and screaming at each other. And, and Jerry's like, we were exploring those, those planets hundreds of years ago. Johnny come lately.
1: Just a bold decision to, to open with that. I, and I'm, I'm totally digressing here, and I'm sorry. I mean, not really, though, because there is absolutely nothing in this movie that is helping Dennis Quaid at all. I don't think this is a good performance, but it's not a good script. It's not good wig work. Like, there's never any good wig work. That's just life in Hollywood when they need you to be Jesus in six weeks of shooting. But nothing like he's not being helped by his director. Nothing here is on his side. And despite a couple of glimmers at the beginning of like, Lieutenant Tuck, shot pilot. There's like, there's a wolfish grin, which is wiped off his face 0.2 seconds later by a horrible explosion. Mm -hmm. And that he is shot out of his plane or whatever happens. I already forgot. You know, don't at me. It's not good. And it's not Quaidy. It's not like Stripes level on Quaidy, but this is just not given how many elements are present that you think would get a Quaidier result. It's that much more disappointing that it comes in at, again, a three. Is
0: it even that much? I mean, I was debating whether two or a one. I mean, it can't be zero. That's the Stripes rule. (laughs) Yeah. He has to be. You cannot actually establish his presence in the movie is is the only way you can you can dole out a zero? I was just gonna go with two because there is that glimmer, and there are a couple, just sort of like maybe swashbuckling, kind of eye rolling, adventuresome tones in it, but they never cohere. They never they like you said, it gets wiped off his face or or emotionally stamped out by the next thing that occurs. It's a tease, but it's not it's not like the ones from from last season where you get a little tease of, of Quaid's ability to do that, but the character is so milk toast or simpering.
1: Right, or, or it could be anyone or should be anyone else. Like yeah. this is, you know, he's being called on for like Bill and Bill on his own skills in space. So it's really disconcerting. And and he just came
0: off being a very plausible and very well acted and directed and presented fighter jock. So you know he can do that. yeah. And then we're, we're not getting that. In fact, I mean, to the extent that we get his fighter jockitude, it's like, this guy's a dumbass. This yeah. is just, who gave this guy a plane?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't going to go as low as a one because he's a lead. And yeah. occasionally you see his teeth, but like, I, I mean, I'm comfortable with you doing it. So where you, where are you crash landing with this? I just I think it too.
0: I I don't feel comfortable being as low as 1 because there're more glimmers and I don't feel the same sort of hopelessness I did last year. Maybe that's just where we are on the calendar doing it, but
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I get it. I had one thing I wanted to to say before we went out because you you kept making a point and it was good and I didn't want to interrupt you, but the the automated space burial scene. Uh-huh. This movie came out long enough after Wrath of Khan that I wonder if that's because even in the the way that they're kind of coming rolling down and then being shot out of the ship it's almost like somebody was like well what if i liked rathacon but i want to make fun of that because it's almost a piss take and like when they when you get that kind of like pneumatic just of the uh-huh. body just like you know futzing out of the, the 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 ship i kind of expected them to play like a four times speed meaty file of like amazing <laughs> grace <laughs> They're like that's it we're done you know and that's the end of that chapter Next time on Quaid in Full, it's the movie that made boomer moms everywhere uncomfortably horny in front of their families. But things are only getting big and easy next week. In the meantime, grab a shell impervious to meteorites and hunker down with the show notes and follow the podcast on Twitter at Quaid in Full Pod. Wondering when your favorite Quaid joint is getting the business or want to give us yours? DMs are open and Sarah is standing by. Quaid in Full is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Jeb Lund and edited by Jeb Lund. Don't subscribe yet? Hit pause on the fully automated space burial line, and as your last act, sign up wherever you get your podcasts, and rate and review Quaid and Full so other people can find it. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Never mind. Let him go if he wants to be an asshole.